In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about a breast cancer awareness campaign that didn't sit right. As my guest and I chat today, we are actually in the midst of October and Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I know that you, if you're listening to this when it releases, are listening to it at a different time, but hear it again with us, knowing that it's October. So many emotions swirling. I'm really excited for this opportunity to discuss not only the triggers that Breast Cancer Awareness Month can bring, but also the role that writing can play in tamping back down some of those big emotions. My guest today is Jessica Fox. Jessica is one of our few repeat guests so far, and I am so happy to have her back to read a new essay with us. Jessica was diagnosed at 43 with hormone-positive breast cancer. She was never officially given a stage and has never asked. For her, it was important not to give that power to the cancer. Jessica lives on a small, peaceful farm in the Hudson Valley of New York with her loving husband, two charismatic children, a dog, a cat, an alpaca, and a chicken. Jessica says when cancer came knocking, she opened the door with the same vigor she puts into any project. She used it as an opportunity to step into her power, grace, and humility. Amazed and grateful by the support she received during her treatment, she is always searching for ways to lift up other previvors fighters, survivors, and thrivers. Welcome back to The Burn, Jessica. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I'm so excited you're here. So this time around, you're reading a piece called Paying Tolls. This was a piece that we published in this year's Cancer Culture issue. And those of you listening, stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. All right, Jessica, I'll let you take it away. My face lit up and my heart raced as I drove at a quickening pace approaching the toll plaza, arguably a little faster than I should have. There was a giant yellow bulldozer coming into view and it was smashing the toll plaza to bits. I smiled as I watched the bucket violently tear into the brick and glass, destruction and debris everywhere, and my heart filled with joy. Every time I drove into town, I'd drive by the toll plaza, a sense of resentment and a lump forming in my throat. Day after day, year after year, I'd see it. It was an advertisement for a local hospital. Not a cancer hospital, just a hospital, a regular hospital. I'm not sure if they thought it was funny or tongue-in-cheek. Best I could tell, it was their attempt at a breast cancer awareness campaign. At least that's what I told myself. 
This local hospital had rented the advertising space in the windows of each of the three toll plazas. The advertisement was yellow and large, filling each window with big blue lettering that spelled out, you can't cure breast cancer. Every time I drove by, I saw it. Every time I saw it, it was like a knife turning in my back. What I haven't told you yet is that beneath it, in very small, tiny letters followed, if you don't know you have it. But the damage was done. The fine print didn't much matter to me because the pain and the fear that breast cancer survivors, such as myself, live with every day of their lives is not a joke. It's not tongue-in-cheek, and it is not something to poke fun at. Every day I drove past the toll plaza, and every day it hurt. Then one day it got worse. I was approaching the toll plaza, and I had the children with me. There was an unusual amount of traffic, so it took an unusually long time to cross the bridge. As we sat and waited, cars stopped all around us. The children became restless. We were getting closer and closer to the toll plaza, and I was doing everything I could to distract them. Inevitably, it came, like a hand grenade on a foggy night at the enemy line. Mommy, the sign says they can't cure breast cancer. Mommy, does that mean they did not cure you? A red, hot scream of fury was in my throat and dangerously near the surface, but I swallowed it down. The tiny, if you don't know you have it, was not readily visible to a frightened child. And now, because of an advertisement, my children think that I am still sick and have been lying to them. Why? Because it says so right there on the big yellow sign with the blue lettering at the toll plaza. You cannot cure breast cancer. I wanted so badly to scream. I wanted so badly to call that hospital and tell them to remove their stupid signs. There are literally hundreds of ways to promote breast cancer screening. None of them should include invoking unnecessary fear in the child of a mom with breast cancer. But here it was. Midday, we had just gotten ice cream and were enjoying our time together only to have the joy replaced with fear as they stared at the sign and then back at me, waiting for the answer they knew would be coming. Only it didn't come. I firmly and clearly stated... Oh no, that sign is not correct, my loves. They can cure breast cancer. They did cure me. And I went off bumbling on and on in a lame excuse for some horrible marketing executive that thought that sign was a good idea. Perhaps an ode to Pink October? Several days later, we crossed the bridge again and they felt it too. Mommy, they said, it's gone. Oh, thank goodness, the sign is gone. Mommy, you must be so happy it's gone. We are so happy it's gone. The celebration was short-lived as we again embarked on a conversation desperately trying to find grace for the horrible sign that was there for far too long and the horrible people that put it there. As I bumbled on again, I tried to explain that it was an attempt at an awareness campaign. Awareness for what, they asked. Awareness that you need to take care of your body and make sure that you have your doctor's appointments and necessary tests done, I responded. What happens if you don't, they implored. Well, I replied, if you don't take care of yourself, if your doctors don't know you are sick and your body needs help, it's harder for the doctors and the treatments to help you. So it's really important to visit your doctor and to get your tests done. Innocent enough. In the silence that followed, I heard the unmistakable hissing as another grenade launched. Mommy, did you get all of your testing done, they asked. Yes, of course I did, I lied. 
That's how they told me I had cancer. And that's how they were able to cure me. And as if beautiful fireworks were about to fill the sky, there was a long quiet and then the whistle just before the explosion. Mommy, were you scared when they told you you had cancer? The words exploded like fireworks right there in the car. I didn't take a breath, but I paused and whispered the truth. Yes. Yes, I was very scared when they told me. His big blue eyes connected with mine, and he quietly said, I was scared too. As his eyes welled up with the tears that slowly slipped down his cheek, leaving marks on his blue jeans that wouldn't be dry before we arrived at our friend's. Change the subject, she was screaming in the background over muffled tears of her own, her hands over her ears and her tiny body trembling. I hate this, mommy. I hate it. I hate that you left. I hate that I couldn't see you. Mommy, I just wanted to be with you. And you left. You were gone, she sobbed. And suddenly disoriented, I'm there back in 2018, standing naked in my hospital room, staring at my blood all over the floor, wondering if I will live another day to hug my babies, all because of a toll plaza. Mm. Jessica, my goodness. Thank you so much for that. Okay, let's take a quick break here. We'll let you take a little sip of water. We'll listen to our testimonial. And when we come back, we will discuss. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, my name is Shandy. I live in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and uh, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer at age 39 in 2020. I recently attended a wildfire writing workshop for the young breast cancer community. Writing workshops with wildfire are creativity nourishing experiences. They combine concrete, useful writing tips and skills, writing-based feedback, but also a space to express your feelings and relationship with cancer in a supportive environment. Leaving the workshops, I always feel inspired creatively and also with a sense of belonging and community. It's a truly unique experience. Thank you so much for the love, Shandy. All right, welcome back, Jessica. Thank you again for your really powerful writing. And um, I don't know if performance is the right word, but you know, for reading your story to us, it was so powerful. Thank you. That story means so much to me and really truly helped me heal. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you said that because I remember at the time that you wrote this, um, I think around the time, at least we were in workshop together and you shared with me that 
when your husband read this story, and I love that you guys have a pattern of you sharing your writing with him, but I remember you saying that when he read this story, he was like, Jessica, this was the story that you've been trying to write this whole time. Can you tell us a little more about that and and the process to bring this out for you? I think that this piece kind of really um, firmly seated me in advocacy um, because I knew that it not only affected me because I can handle things affecting me. Um, we've been through cancer, right? We get that part of the story. Um, but when you start to think about the other people that it's affecting, particularly the children, um, and when they were so honest and, and you know, painfully truthful with me about what they had experienced, um, it really lit a fire under me. And I was able to not only document and share this thanks to you and Wildfire and the burn, but I also reached out to the company that published the signs and worked with them and they actually removed them. <laughs> That's incredible. I really love that you got the the courage, the strength to reach out and make a change. And also love that you gave us this glimpse into really challenging conversations with your children, because I think that the conversations are one of the hardest parts of having to go through cancer with little people who are watching you to see how you are going to handle it. And I'll, I'll just share that I remember my daughter asking me if I was going to die and I didn't know, I, I didn't know how to answer that question in a way that felt honest to both of us. And I got in this habit of saying to her, I don't plan to die. And then I remember the day when she was like fed up with that answer. And she's like, that's not, that's not the answer. Like, I need a different one. And then I had to come up with some other thing. And so I love that your story gives us this kind of like real time glimpse into your wheels turning in that frustrating moment. I don't know what my question is in that. I guess I'm just saying thank you for that, Jessica. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. And and I love what you've said about, you know, being honest with the kids in an age appropriate way and that that changes. Um, I like to say I've always been maybe a little bit too honest with them. And um, my I had an experience this past weekend that really kind of made it um, okay for me because my son came home, he's on student council and they had a bake sale for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And he came home and he said, mom, I want nothing to do with it. And I said, okay, I respect your decision. I'm sure you have a really good reason. Do you want to talk about it? And he said, yeah. He said, they're raising money saying that it's breast cancer awareness. And then they're giving the money to the Special Olympics. And he said, and I want nothing to do with it because it's not okay. Um, and we explored that a little bit. But I think that that honesty with him and, and, and talking to him about what we see and what we experience on the outside, and, and it gives him some power over how he then presents himself to the world and what he's willing to tolerate. So I, I think mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, we all have to navigate it in a way that feels good for us and our, and our little humans, but I'm really happy with how it's turning out for my family. Yeah. Well, I love that. And, and what you're describing really shows the evolution of the conversation and the evolution of how they internalize it and what it means to them 
out in the world. I really think that for my own child, it's helped her to realize that there are things going on at home behind closed doors for all of her classmates that we have no idea. We have no idea what what they're facing, what they've been through. And it just brings a little more empathy to her experience of the world. I certainly never would want her to have had this cancer experience, you know, um, I'm sure you feel the same way, but now you've got this, this deep thinking son who's going to change the world. You know, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And, and my 10 year old is, is now wearing pink washing shirts and she's Mm -hmm. taking October for her platform to do presentations every year to her classmates at 10 and to help them understand about the experience of, of how we can truly honor people in the breast cancer arena and not just think we are. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and for anyone listening who doesn't know pink washing, pink washing is the practice of basically cloaking something in pink, saying, that you're raising money for breast cancer, but really it's just another opportunity to sell, sell stuff. I think we've all seen the pink spatulas and the pink propane trucks and, you know, those things that don't really do much for, for you and I who are here and for all, everyone listening, everyone who's living with stage four, like all of it, it really needs to go beyond the pink washing for sure. I'm so glad that your daughter is learning that, um, how powerful and also to take it from a moment in the backseat of fear, you know, for you, I think there was a lot of maybe PTSD in that moment. Um, and the whole car is just fear, fear, fear. And all of you moving into this place of advocacy really is the anecdote for that fear, I think. And, and maybe it started with writing, writing it down. Absolutely. And, and teaching the kids that we, we, we can be scared, but not lose our power. And, and it's, it's okay to see things and to not be okay with them and to make different Mm -hmm. choices and to speak up. And I love for my family that they found their voices through my cancer experience. Yes. Well, and if I'm remembering correctly, you also found your voice and your ability to to ask for help. And this is another story where you, you know, you shared with us just a moment ago, you had to make that call and say, I need you to help me by removing this, this ad campaign. And it's incredible that they were able to hear you on that. Yeah. And it actually re- restruck last week because one of the billboards went up mm. and I reached out to the person and said, you know, I thought we were friends, you know, <laughs> and what are you doing? And um, I loved her response. It was, tell me exactly where you saw it and when, and I am having it removed today. I am not paying for that. Someone must have put it up as a courtesy and it's coming down. Um, so that they stood behind it, I think is is really important. And And again, testing me, right? Like, do you really mean it? Are you really going to stand up or are you just going to sit down now? Cause you stood up once. Are you tired? <laughs> mm, that's a really, really good point. And it's so interesting to, you know, like I said, we're recording this in October. You just mentioned, you know, the campaign trying to go up again. And I think that it really, it's first of all, way harder a month than anyone who's never experienced breast cancer before knows. Like we are being triggered left, right, and center and it does test your endurance and sometimes you have the fight in you and sometimes you don't and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's okay either it just means that this particular time you you, you didn't have the fight in you for it 
we're fighting all the time, right? So, and that's why we have each other, right? So yeah. when you're tired and you need to sit down, I'll stand up for you. And when I'm tired and need to sit down, you know, we, we, we support each other. That's why I love this community and the community that you've created. Mm. Well, thank you so much for that. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to bring it back to your story, you know, before we, we close here and just this idea of the metaphor of the breast cancer road, you know, this path that you are traveling with your children solo with your husband, you know, it kind of goes back and forth and all around and this idea of paying tolls along the way. And in this particular case, it was this hard conversation and this awareness campaign that didn't sit right. But sometimes the tolls um, can be quite beautiful too. They give us an opportunity to look at life in a slightly different way. Is there, um, is there an aspect I know you already actually shared maybe one of these is going to come to mind, but I just wonder if there's another aspect of your breast cancer experience for which you are, I struggle to use the word grateful, but you know, it's, it's, it's painted your life in a certain color and maybe it's given you other opportunities along this path. Is there anything there you want to share? Yeah. Um, and, and actually in talking in metaphors, you kind of triggered something that I didn't point out and that an average reader might not have noticed, um, as it's called paying tolls. One of the biggest tolls that I paid was the fact that I missed my annual mammogram. Mm -hmm. And the year later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so that toll of what have I done? Mm -hmm. um, and being that it's October, that is a great moment to remind everyone, you know, be gentle with yourself if you forget, but don't forget. <laughs> it literally could save your life. Just go. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Just go. I'll also say it's, you know, breast cancer is never your fault either, right? Like it's a crapshoot and it just happens. But um, I do agree that we have we have some tools that can help us buy time and, you know, give us the opportunity for science to keep advancing. And yeah, we have to stay vigilant. So yeah, thank you for that. These tolls, they're, they're big, they're heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jessica, my last question for you is um, what role writing is playing in your survivorship these days? Are you finding time for writing? Is it something that um, is regular or are you kind of dip in and out as needed? It's, it's uh, such a great question. And um, I go back and read the stories that I've written over and over again. And each time I read them, they feel different to me um, in a really positive way. It helps me to process so much. When I find myself triggered, particularly in October, I take a writing prompt list mm -hmm. and I write down the triggers. I have actually one in front of me that says one in eight, and I have a storyline on that that I'm processing. Um, but it gives me that kind of um, way to compartmentalize some of those feelings so that I know I can come back and process them when I'm able and I'm just able to recognize but kind of keep going through, you know, whatever I'm in and, and need to do. Um, but I have I am signed up for another writing workshop so I can commit that time um, because for me and my journey, the writing has just been so powerful and so healing and, and such an important piece um, to my journey and to, you know, how I can give back and to how I can, I can ultimately heal. And, um, you know, I, I sometimes read these stories to the children too. And 
I love that as the children get older, I can share the stories that I've written, particularly the ones that have them in it. And they were able to experience the situation, you know, firsthand as a participant, but then they get to kind of see it through a different veil when I read them my stories and and have them kind of go, yeah. And then we open the conversation on a different level because they can see what I was processing and what I was experiencing. And and then they know what they were experiencing and were able to kind of marry the two together in this Mm. really beautiful, intimate space, which is incredible. Oh, I really love that. I just love your family tradition of sharing stories with each other. It's so intimate. I'm I'm just really proud of you that you share your writing with people who actually know you because I think that's another layer of of storytelling, right? Yeah, yeah, and and ultimately of being vulnerable because it's yeah. totally possible, especially for the kids or my husband can be like, well, no, that's not how it was. <laughs> but but I'm really um, working really hard for myself and for them on that concept that everyone's story is valid and everyone's experience is valid. And we could be two people having the same experience, but having a completely different view of it. And none of them is wrong, right? right? Like all of them are okay. And all of them are right. And all of them have good and bad and things we can work on, but we're all ultimately a team and we're all in it together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and I just want to highlight two things you just said. You know, first of all, you you shouldn't be afraid to write your story because you're worried that your experience of it or your view of it varies from someone else who might read it. I think that is a big fear of a lot of people is that someone is going to call them out and say, that's wrong. That's not how it happened, but you're exactly right that where you sit and your view is going to be unique to you. I mean, we all know from just, you know, having siblings or growing up in, you know, families that our experiences can vary wildly from someone who's just a few years older or younger, or even a twin from us. It's just a totally different experience, which doesn't make it more right or less right. And then the other thing I want to say is these triggers, um, you know, I'm thinking about you having this little note on your desk for an for a upcoming writing prompt. If anyone listening isn't sure how to write or where to write or what to write on, anything that triggers you is a call to spend some time like looking at that and see what what's under the surface there. And writing is such a great way to do it. So thanks for that, Jessica. Thank you. So today's writer and guest was Jessica Fox. Her piece was called Paying Tolls, and this came from the February-March 2022 issue of Wildfire called Cancer Culture. Jessica, where can people find you or learn more about you online? I'm on Instagram at Mama J Fox. Perfect. We will link to you. Thanks again for being here with me. Thank you. Well, I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our now 39 issues in the wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There is no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. 
Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And if you haven't done it yet, please go download the 20 page printable journal I made just for you. It has some of my favorite writing prompts and inspiration from the last year of the burn. Be sure to grab yours at wildfirecommunity.org slash the burn. And don't forget to subscribe to the burn and listen to it wherever you go. All right, here is your writing prompt. Jessica and I have been talking about a lot of things that take courage to do, a lot of things that you have to be brave to do. So my prompt for you today is it is safe for me to, and then you fill in the blank. You set your timer and you keep coming back to this sentence. It's safe for me to, it's safe for me to speak my mind. It's safe for me to tell the truth. It's safe for me to eat chocolate cake when I want to. Whatever it is for you, put together a list of things that it's safe for you to do. Eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.